there, it's Jamie B. I provide quality education and strategic planning so your business works for you and not because of you. Today, we are going to talk about your business name and trademarking. I don't know if you've ever looked into it, but we're going to get started here. Can you? And if you can, should you? Let's see what we've got. Okay. So first of all, what is in a name? Of course, everything is in a name, especially whenever you are in business. Uh, there are several things that I think you should take into consideration. If you may be backing all the way up, haven't chosen your business name yet, or if you have a business name and you are considering expanding and possibly trademarking it with the U.S. government. First of all, uh, there is the thought of using your personal name. There are a lot of companies that do that. There are a lot of companies that do that very successfully. Of course, you want to realize that should you decide to sell your company someday, um, there's a possibility that your name has developed a lot of weight in your market, that you have a great reputation as Bob's daycare and pet sitting, but probably the next person is not named Bob. So unless you're a total fan of Princess Bride like I am, and you've built such a great business that you're considered like the Dread Pirate Roberts and it doesn't make any difference who runs your company, you might want to consider not calling yourself Patty's Pet Sitting just down the road. Another option people like to do is use their location in their name. Now, whereas this is great to have a URL for your website, it's great for SEO if you have your location and your business name. It's also really limiting down the road. Uh, maybe you decide you want to expand to a nearby city and that is not listed in your business name. That could be confusing for some people. Uh, if you decide to just throw your hat in the ring and go to another state, you are going to have to adjust your name for that purpose. So there can be a risk, there can be benefit in putting your location name in your business, but there is also a risk. Um, another option, putting pet sitting or dog walking in your name as in what I used earlier, Patty's Pet Sitting. Uh, we all know, of course, that at least within the industry, the concept of pet sitting, most people that hear that can understand that you likely do dog walking also, but it can be really limiting um, if you specifically have that in your name and maybe you decide that you want to start a daycare. Um, that's not in your name. What are you going to say on Patty's pet sitting and daycare? All you can really do to clarify for the market what you actually do offer is keep adding on to the end of it, probably causing some confusion in the marketplace. So, um, you know, it can be recommended to not specifically put those kind of titles in your business name itself, but put that along with a tagline that you might possibly have that's detached from your business name. Uh, using numbers and words that can be easily misspelled. Um, I'd like, raise my hand, I did this myself. Um, my business has a number in it. And I find I always have to say, oh no, it's the number. You don't actually spell it out. Um, it also has caused me to have to uh, purchase additional URLs, one where I have the number and one where it's spelled out. So little advice for me to you, try to avoid numbers if at all possible, because that 
uh, makes things a little more challenging for your potential clients to find you if they hear what your name is, but yet they don't know, okay, is that the number? Is that the spelling? Um, you know, uh, some companies will use area codes for their business names. Um, you know, okay, assuming that's the number. So you just don't want to clutter their access to you. And then words that can be easily misspelled. There are a lot of common words in our industry. And, you know, considering the industry has been around now for the 40 years, people are doing iterations of words to try to be a little bit different. Common words that you misspell intentionally so you look different from someone else can also clutter the access for your potential clients to get to you if it's something that is easily misspelled or if you've intentionally spelled it differently. Uh, example where there's maybe the word pause in your business name and instead of P-A-W-S, you've done P-A-W-Z. That can be very confusing for a potential client. Uh, and then lastly, I have to say, using an overused name. Um, there are so many names, like I said, that people are trying to just tweak a little bit, um, that you might have multiple people in a small geographical area that have some iteration of a particular name. Um, some that I've noticed that uh, are pretty well used um, your pet nannies, happy tails, anything with the word happy or tails in it. Um, a lot of the companies that have like paws in there, a paws and claws. Um, of course, fetch is a trademark, so you can't use fetch itself. Can be really confusing if you have that in your business name. Uh, creature comforts, um, anything with wag or rover in it at this point is um, probably more of a detriment than it would be a benefit. Uh, peace of mind, um, credit sitters, uh, things like that. So try to avoid those that are very overused. Um, you know, you're definitely going to want to do your searches and your due diligence to make sure locally, uh, even statewide, that you don't have any competition potential there. With the name. So that takes us to what you need to do to actually find a name and get it registered. You're going to want to search your state. Uh, the majority of the state government websites are going to have where you can search for a business name. So if you think you found, oh my gosh, this is the perfect name, I completely want to use this one, make sure you go to your state first. Make sure that it's available in your state. And if you are clear there, then you want to go and take a look at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, USPTO.gov. Now, this is if you really want to secure this name and make sure that no one else in the United States can use it. If you are perfectly happy staying in your local area and you have no intention down the road of expanding, you have no concern about someone moving into your, your uh, local area and possibly using your name, and having things be confusing that way and you feel like you won't have the state protection, then you do want to go through the federal U.S. Patent and Trade Office. Um, there's a lot to it. So, you know, you definitely don't want to oversimplify what it takes to actually federally register your name. First of all, you are going to want to go to USPTO.gov and you're going to want to understand how a trademark works in the first place. This is not a simple process. You don't just pay money and have a trademark. It is 
an extended process. It can take months to be federally registered. Little information about, uh, I think most people probably are familiar with the R with the circle around it, that denotes that you are federally registered. That legally says that you own that and the USPTO has put their stamp of approval that that is your uh, word mark. Uh, we also have your TM and your SM. Most people don't see SM very often, but the TM is trademark. That is typically used for your product lines, retail, things like that. SM is service mark. That is what we do. We provide a service, unless, of course, your company provides products. So uh, when you make that decision that you do want to pursue a federal registration of your business name, uh, most of us are going to then put the SM after our name. That is what you do. Basically, you're declaring that you're going through the process to get your name federally registered. Uh, you would keep that SM after your name until you get notification from the USPTO that your uh, trademark has been federally registered. Then you'll switch that SM over to the little R with the circle around it that you've seen before. So, a little bit of a side, if you've kind of seen those and been confused what they're used for, that is how they are used. Uh, so go to USPTO.gov, absolutely read the trademark basics. Um, you need to know kind of what you're getting into. You need to know the process. Um, it's pretty extensive. So nice. They do have great information here on trade, uh, the trademark basics. If you come in here and just kind of click on that trademark basics section, it gets you to, well, it gets you to me going one screen too fast. It gets you to this screen, which tells you about the registration registration process. Go through all these sections. Just spend some time reading through so you understand what's going on. Uh, lets you know what a trademark is, what the process is, the difference between trademark, patent, and copyright, which is a whole nother lesson. Um, but uh, because a lot of people get confused between copyrights and trademarks, uh, lets you know your protection, uh, lets you know, of course, uh, the legal rights that you have whenever you are trademarked. Uh, so do your due diligence and make sure that you understand what is going on before you pursue this. Of course, you see here in the metal question, do I need an attorney? Well, that is definitely my next question. Do I need an attorney? Um, well, I have a lot to say about this one. I have been federally registered for trying to 15 years. I'm trying to even remember how long. No way. Um, 17 years. So um, I've went through this process a long time ago. Um, was not very attached to it. I might have possibly registered my first one myself. Um, so do I need an attorney? Yes and no. Uh, you can absolutely go through this process yourself, but I would not recommend it, and here's why. It is really confusing. They, of course, have the TEAS system where you can put in an application, you can go through it yourself, but there are several things that could happen. If you did not search well enough and do your due diligence in your name search initially, you could be turned down because there is a name that is too similar or there is a similar name that is in your actual international class, which is the way that they divide up uh, the different categories of trademarks. Um, 
And if you don't do your due diligence, they don't give you your money back. They keep your money. So, um, you know, you can do that initial search yourself and get an idea of, gosh, you know, this name is totally out. Go through your list. Not this one, not this one. This one is definitely the strongest possibility. It does not look like there is anyone with a similar name who is in my class, which would be, of course, our industry. Generally, the international class that is used for us is, um, I see, I see number 45. I think that's what I'm registered at right now. I see 045 is a pretty typical one. Um, that's kind of a catch-all. It covers care to animals, humans, medical care. It covers uh, agricultural categories. So it, it does seem to be a bit of a catch-all, but it's all very service-based. So um, you want to make sure that you do have your classifications correct. You can file. It is at risk whether or not you're actually going to get approved. But even on the back end, there is a lot. There are communications with the trademark office that you have to respond to. Um, down the road, uh, there are requirements to maintain your uh, trademark. Um, there's a, a section eight. Uh, we'll just use that as the first example. Five to six years after you register your trademark, you have to file a declaration of use as section eight. Um, you have to file again uh, around years nine to 10. And that's a section eight and nine. And then you have to file every 10 years after that. So um, I'm going to totally wrap myself out here. I was a good girl and I did that section eight in the fifth year. And that was wonderful. And then you know what? There is such a large period of time in between doing that. I completely forgot to do my section eight and nine at that nine to 10 year time frame. And mine got canceled. I mean, they'll, they'll give you a little grace period, like six months or so. But if you don't file the paperwork, you need to file on time. They will cancel you and you'll sit here operating, thinking that you have a registered business and you don't. So I'm um, totally ratting myself out. Uh, I had to get my attorney on it and we had to refile, which cost more money. Um, we had a bit of an issue where they didn't want to give me my own trademark back because they thought there was confusion in classes. And so my attorney had to fight to get it back. Thankfully, we got it back. And, you know, I've got my little calendars that say, all right, five to six years from now, I need to make sure that I file that. And then the nine to 10 years. So it's always good to have an attorney in your corner to be able to help you through all of that extra paperwork and give you those reminders that clearly I need. So I would not recommend doing this without an attorney. But you can if you really read and, but you can. We'll just leave it as, but you can. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about preliminary search on TESS. Now, TESS is the Trademark Electronic Search System. You've got to that through the USPTO. So here you're going to look up a basic word mark search. You're going to want to fill in your search term. You want to keep it simple. So, um, you know, if you're planning on putting your business name in there or your city in there with your business name, just go with the core part of your business name first and search for that. You're going to want to evaluate each registered word mark that you find. And then you want to dig further into the TSDR, which is the um, status and document retrieval. That's where you can see the entire filing 
what the status is, and you can get all your extra information. So let's see. We are going to go to the fabulous USPTO website. Um, you're going to want to click here on trademarks and then under application process, searching trademarks. Now I can tell you that the government doesn't spend a huge amount of money for pretty websites. This is really function over form, definitely. Right here in the middle, there is search our trademark database or test in parentheses. Click right in there. All right, so this is our first screen. Uh, of course, you can trademark logos, things like that. I am just addressing a basic wordmark search. So that is the actual physical name itself. So you click on basic wordmark search. And then I usually keep all the settings the same, plural and singular, live and dead, because I just like to see what's out there. You can choose only live trademarks. Dead trademarks are the ones like me, where somebody completely boneheaded forgot to file when they were supposed to, um, or if a company actually um, personally canceled a registration. So you can see an abandoned and you can see cancel. It tells you on that um, registration form uh, what the status is. So for myself, I like to see both. We're going to go with a super common one here that I mentioned. We'll go with critter sitters. So search term, I have critter sitters, and then I just hit submit query. All right, what do we have? So what we see here is there are 21 records found. Because I left it with um, both live and dead, look over here in the right column. That's our live dead column. And you'll see there's one, two... There's only three that are live through the search. Everything else is dead, which could be abandoned. Just about anything. Let me pull one of them up. Okay, so if I click on Critter Sitters, oh, well, see, here's an example of it being a different international class. So I see 24 bath linen bedspreads pillowcases. Um, I don't know why on earth a company would want their bedspread to be under a company name called Critter Sitters. Maybe that's why it's canceled. Uh, so we will back up again. Good example of class, not good example of um, actually a dead one in our industry. A stuffed toy ornaments. Um, so you'll kind of see here's interna international class 28. We'll go into one of the lives here. We'll check this live one on the top. Critter Sitters has serial number, registration number, the actual word mark itself, the TSDR under the check status column. That's where you open up the entire file to get more details. And then, of course, telling you if it's live or dead. So let's look at Critter Sitters here. All right. This is International Class 20. Furniture, Ottomans, and Ottoman seats. Critter Sitters. Okay, it is live. Down at the bottom it says it is live. I don't know why someone would want their Ottomans to be critter sitters. I guess there might be a correlation there. So that is not in our industry. Let's go down. We see right here is a live one. Sitters for Critters, LLC, First Feather, Scales or Tails. We take care of all your four-legged and non-four-legged friends. 24-7-365. So, um... I would honestly say this person possibly filed this themselves. 
Hopefully they're not watching this right now. Uh, they possibly filed it themselves or maybe had someone that wasn't quite sure what they were doing because the actual word, word mark is better put as sitters for critters and the rest of this is a tagline which doesn't need to go within the business name. Technically, if you want to trademark, uh, word mark your tagline, you can, of course, do that, but that would be a separate application. So we'll just cruise right down here. Here is this Critter Sitters that does say it is live. That is the third one. Oh, and look, we're actually there. So this is the original Critter Sitters. Um, you see uh, International Class 42, caring for pets and plants at private homes while the owner is away. So you'll see as we dig into this, first used in commerce this is one of the things that you declare. This was first used back in 1978. Um, over here on the filing information, it was filed in 1979. Uh, it does go through an opposition publication process. And then it was officially federally registered July 7th of 1981. So this has some serious history to it. Critter Sitters does. So what happens if you decide to, like you're in um, Utah and you decide you want to name yourself Critter Sitters? Well, if you say that you are, you know, Critter Sitters of Utah, Critter Sitters, the Critter Sitters in your city, um, there are, you know, of course, a lot of companies that do federally register they have to defend their registry. So if any point this Critter Sitters would find out you are operating under that same business name, uh, they could easily have their attorney send you a cease and desist. Uh, you are legally required to change your business name. So that is why you want to make sure you do a good search, no matter what, locally, to make sure that you are not infringing on someone else's business name. Because at the least, which I have heard of recently, it can cause confusion with employee paperwork. There's just a lot that can be a problem. So you want to uh, distinguish your name as much as possible from other people. Let's see, you know, we have change of name here. This is a dead one, Sitters for Critters. It has been abandoned, which likely that was one where they just didn't file the five to six year section eight. But this is pet care services performed specifically in pet owner's home originally registered back um, in 1989. But here, it doesn't have anything specific about when it was fully registered. So it's possible that they did not pursue getting this final registered. Uh, just a lot of information in here. So uh, a few of these things I know just from years of doing it, but another reason it's good to have an attorney. If there's ever any question, um, Gosh, just go with an attorney. You just don't want to waste your time or your money, guys. I can tell you that. Um, so wanted to give you another little example just so you can see what um, interesting things that you can find out. Uh, we're going to look at another record list display. This is um, kind of fun to look at considering we all know this company. I actually did a search for the company, A Place for Rover. And these are all trademarks that have been filed by Rover. Um, there are several in here that are dead for one reason or another. You know, if you dig into these, it looks like at one point they considered naming their company Roverlution or Sleepover Rover, which has a nice ring to it. Um, 
then you get in here and you see, oh, well, you know, it kicks me out. Let's say, oh, don't do that to me. Wordmark search. A place for Rover. We'll just go right back through it again. Eh, well, it doesn't like me right now. Oh, come on, Wordmark. There we go. Owner's name. I got it. You know, you just got to hip check it and make it do the right thing. Okay, so we have this Rover down here. So, online referral and appointment scheduling services in the field of dog care, blah, blah, blah. So, international class 35, you see over here. So, it was fully registered March of 2014. So, this is their live service mark. Now, one thing I can tell you, there's this international class 35. So, let's say you decide that you want to go into, um, want, you want to go into daycare. So, currently you have your company registered under pet sitting and dog walking services and you want a boarding and daycare facility. You have to file for an additional class, which costs additional money to file for that class. So you have to have, be in the correct class for each one of your things, each one of your categories, your classes. Um, if for some reason you come up with the like brilliant, beyond brilliant idea um, of some new interactive dog toy and you go through the process of patenting that and getting that on the market, that is a completely different class and you would have to go ahead and register your same business name for that specific class. I'll show you a quick example of what that looks like with Rover here. Go up to one of the newer ones. So here Rover is listed on this one in four different classes. Uh, 18, 20, and 25, and 28. So we've got toys, clothing, shirts, crates for pets, bags for pet accessories. So that's a little bit of an explanation of the international class. I think the majority of us are probably going to be listed just in the basic dog walking and pet sitting, but make sure you understand that should you need to have some sort of an additional class down the road, you have to pay for separate classes. So um, hopefully that was, um, well, I know that was a lot in a short amount of time, but hopefully that explained a little bit about the trademarking process. Um, if you are interested, I have a wonderful trademarking attorney who has actually worked with multiple businesses in our industry. So he knows what he's doing. He's my man. He's the one that saved me from complete disaster when I uh, did not file my nine to 10 year renewal. So Happy to fill you on that. Otherwise, guys, make it a great weekend. Um, I'm excited for things to come.